0: Download the free Anchor app right now, or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast Stardom is within your reach. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with... An audio interview series presented by WFPK, Independent Louisville, Consequence of Sound, and the Consequence Podcast Network. Speaking of all those things, whatever you're listening to, YouTube or a podcast, uh, please do subscribe. Give us a rating uh, or a review. Those things are really, really huge. Uh, I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest, this is a very special show. Uh, My guest is Dave Laurie. He is the author of a new book called Jeff Buckley, From Hallelujah to Last Goodbye. Uh, Dave managed Jeff Buckley while he was still with us back in the 90s, uh, all the way through that grace period leading in to the what would have been a sophomore record, My Sweetheart the Drunk. Uh, I got to talk with Dave about Jeff Buckley's final days, about that uh, second record, which we now call Sketches for My Sweetheart the Drunk, uh, which actually recently just turned 20 years old. We also got to talk about one of Jeff's friends, Chris Cornell, uh, who we lost around the time that Dave was finishing the book, too, and plenty of other amazing stories. There's a lot of love for Jeff Buckley in this uh, in this interview. It's Kyle Meredith with Dave Laurie. Hi, Dave. How are you? I'm good, Kyle. Yourself? I'm um, well. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for doing this. Oh, well, Thanks for having me. We'll talk about this. So you've got this really amazing account, uh, your book, Jeff Buckley from Hallitu- Hallelujah to to Last Goodbye. Uh, which is an incredible read. I'm guessing um, the reason it took you this long to do it is because it, it was a difficult book. It's it's going to arrive on an anniversary of his passing, right?
1: That's correct. Uh, it was very difficult. Obviously, the first chapter I wrote was a death chapter, and I hadn't opened up the boxes for 20 years or 19 years. It took me two years to write it. And my wife was his promotion manager in Europe. That's how we met. So I went in the back porch and started writing the death chapter that they wanted, and uh, I cried for three days, and I realized that I had not uh, grieved. And so the book in itself was very therapeutic.
0: I do like reading about uh, you and Jeff's first meeting together, you know, uh, the <laughs> coffee shop and everything, and, and he's late. I think most people will, you know, if they're not familiar with Jeff's background, they're going to find it um, maybe surprising that the two of you bonded over, like, 80s-style metal, rights?
1: That's correct. Yeah, he he liked the fact I was a tour manager for a lot of big metal bands in the 80s and the decadence. And, yeah, he was a big metal fan. He'd, he'd go from metal to Pakistani singers to Edith Piaf. He was all over the place.
0: I, I don't know if I've ever heard him or if I just imagined it. Had he ever done any early recordings in that style? Because in my head, he had, but maybe he hadn't.
1: <laughs> no he really did not um he did do some in LA prior to Grace but they were unfinished demos he s- did about four songs but he didn't even have a demo tape to send to record companies it was all through live um he broke the mold on everything he did most people have a demo tape they send up to the record company, and then they come down to the show it was just the word of mouth you know people thought that it was a religious experience
0: so by that time you know hearing that live um what became the live EP had he? Do you think he'd really found his voice at that point, or was he still searching?
1: Jeff was always searching. The album My Sweetheart the Drunk, he was going on with Andy Wallace, and we were, we were talking yesterday, Andy, the producer, and he was going to do something completely different. He was not going to stay in one lane very long.
0: Now, I'm a big fan of uh, My Sweetheart the Drunker, as we hear it now, sketches of My Sweetheart the Drunk. How close was that to the final version that you're aware of?
1: Well, the night he disappeared in the Mississippi River was the night the band came in to start Two weeks of rehearsal before Andy Wallace went in the studio with him so they weren't even close when he gave me that uh, cassette uh, the day he left two weeks before he died he said uh, this isn't finished Andy and I are gonna put the color in it
0: I mean that's amazing because as you know if that had been released let's just say you know if and and I guess it was released in that way but even if that had been official that sounds to me so complete that says so much about how good he was just at the early process I guess right
1: Jeff was a composer he wasn't the typical songwriter so we used to talk you know how do you write sergeant peppers or night at the opera by Queen you know there were layers of uh, sound that went into those records and that's how if you listen to grace it's the same way so he he would have put all that in the color
0: I mean there's you know those singles on there well songs that could have been singles uh, everybody here wants you I mean that was a hit. Yeah, I mean, I mean they Sweetheart... there were, there
1: were hits on that record.
0: Yeah, I was going to say Sweetheart the Drunk is a very different record from Grace, but that song seems to be the perfect bridge. It would have been huge. Yeah, it would have been. I don't know your involvement specifically with that record afterwards, because I know there was some legal battles with his, with his family and everything, but was there talk of ever really pushing that as a proper album?
1: Well, it was fired pretty much. Uh, the, his A&R guy and Andy Wallace, we were all fired within a few months. I was probably too close because he told me it was not finished gave me all the music from the road. The last time he said, don't let Sony get it. So there's a protection that you have as a manager of your client. And I wanted to get artists that he was friends with, like Chris Cornell, Page and Plant, Patti Smith, Elvis Costello, people like that, to do those songs. Because I thought he'd go to a larger audience. And then there was a live record he recorded on the last, last second to the last tour but uh, of Australia. And it was the last live thing he approved. He mixed it, He mastered it. I wanted that to come out next, but you know, everybody had a different opinion.
0: You mentioned Chris. I, I know they were really close, and he even wrote some liner notes for uh, for Sweetheart. I'm guessing you were close to Chris too. And having seen that happen, you know, in, in the way that that we lost him as well. I mean, that's that that's got to be a you know a, its own very tough moment uh, within this Jeff Buckley family.
1: Uh, it was because you know I'm writing this book and Chris and. You know, I managed Greg Allman. He died the day before I signed the contract, which ironically was on the 20th anniversary of his death um, with the publisher. So all these deaths were happening. Chris Dowd says in the book, he's the lead singer of Fishbone, was Jeff's best friend. And he said music is like a blood sport. And he's right.
0: Bring up the uh, Greg Allman and the Almonds. I mean, you did. You you'd came off with working with the Almonds with, uh, with Ronnie Spector. To go with someone that while there, you know, is a lot of attention, a lot of buzz, he, he's still pretty much an unknown. I mean, that had to be a huge leap of faith for you. You you had to have seen it early on.
1: Well, I did. In fact, somebody asked me a question one day. I was teaching a course and at William Patterson, and they said, uh, how did you pick a stuff to work with an artist? And I said, I, I assume they can play their guitar instrument or sing. It's when they walk in a room, they light it up. They have that it factor. And he had that it factor. And... He wasn't as big in America at the time of his death as he was internationally. Internationally, he was a large star. And to give you an example of that, his first trip to London on the Live at Chennai EP before Grace came out, we, he did a, a show called GLR. And the next night, we were in this small venue, just like when he was doing in Chennai in New York, and I walked out and there were literally people lined up four blocks that couldn't get in. And we went and booked two more shows that night, and people just followed him down the street. It was just magic.
0: Yeah. You know, he wasn't the first person to cover Hallelujah, but definitely became the most iconic. Did did that sort of surprise you, the long life of that song?
1: No, in fact, um, I made a comment when we first went on tour where he was just doing solo. Uh, there was a lot of resistance. People didn't understand it. You know, that's when grunge and punk and hip-hop are all happening at the same time. And I said, you're different. Different's good. Different will last. And Andy Wallace, who the producer I spoke to yesterday, and uh, he said that he, he did Nirvana's album, Nevermind. Mm-hmm. And he said today people come about Jeff. They don't even bring up Nirvana. Because it's the record's timeless. So I think that's what says it all. Yeah. And I did meet Leonard Cohen over in London one day, and uh, you know he said he loved the version. Um, there's a lot of different versions on that. Uh, you'll read in the book where uh, Nick Cave uh, wants to do Hallelujah and he comes home to about 80 pages of faxes that were verses. That's how many verses there were. <laughs>
0: that's incredible. I mean, for me, I you know, if I was a musician, I would never touch that song because for me, like that's it. The most perfect version has ever been done. Why even try? You know, it's...
1: well. There's only one Jeff Buckley. That boy's. I've never had an artist or heard an artist that could whisper while singing, scream, and howl to just, you know, it's like singing a lullaby. It was an amazing voice.
0: Well, you're taking this book on tour yourself from Hallelujah to Alaska by. You're taking it to music venues, right?
1: I am. Uh, book tours don't pay, so I called a couple <laughs> promoters. I said, can you put me in a little room? And they all said, Jeff, Jeff's fan base is huge. You know, it helps pay the the bills and, uh, you know, the the cost of being on tour. And I really want an interactive thing with the fans where they can ask me anything they want. It's not about me dictating in these shows. I call them shows. They're not really shows or Q&As. But uh, I wanted to put a stamp on his legacy, Kyle. And I want people to get out of these what they want to get out of them. Well,
0: I sure appreciate that you're doing this, Dave. Uh, it's a pleasure talking to you, and Jeff Buckley from Hallelujah to Last Goodbye. Uh, I know it took a while to write it, and I'm sure it was hard, but thank you for doing it.
1: we Will do, and uh, people can go to jeffbuckleythebook.com to find the tour dates. Awesome. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Kyle. All right, bye.
0: Thanks so much to Dave Laurie for the call. The book is called Jeff Buckley from Hallelujah to Last Goodbye. Don't forget, you can subscribe to Consequence of Sound's YouTube channel to keep up with your favorite artists and interviews. And for you podcasters, please do head over to iTunes or Podchaser and, uh, and give us a rating or a, or a review. And then head over to wfpk.org. That's where you hear me do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. What's up, sandwich heads? Today on Steve-O's Sandwich Reviews, we've got the tips and tricks to the best sandwich order. And it all starts with this little guy right here. Pepsi Zero Sugar. Partial to pastrami, craving a Cubano. Yeah, sounds delicious, but boom! Add the crisp, refreshing taste of Pepsi Zero Sugar and cue the fireworks. Lunch, dinner, or late night, it'll be a sandwich worth celebrating. Trust me, your boy's eaten a lot of sandwiches in his day, and the one thing I can say with absolute fact... (sighs) Every bite is better with Pepsi.